Thanks. But I'm excited just for this year. And it really, I'm not just saying it as a cliche, because you know, every year it's like I'm excited. But really, I'm really, ex- really excited for what God's going to do. And I'm excited because I've seen him, you know, God's not bound to a season like, like New Year, and now it's the New Year, so let's, there's a new thing. You know, I felt the season had already started in the New Year last year <laughs> for us as a church. And, uh, uh, you know, often what happens physically manifests, it's, you know, what happens spiritually manifests itself physically. And I don't know if you noticed, even in us as a church, how many pregnant ladies we've had uh, and that are, you know, they've given birth now and, and still pregnant. And to me, that's a sign of what God's going to do spiritually within us. And, um, and so, yeah, it's really just, just to see that happen and just as He's really going to grow the church. And I'm not talking about physically, <laughs> but I'm talking about spiritually. There's a preparation. And uh, I, I just remember, remember last year, Quentin was, I think he used Esther as an example where he said to Esther, you know, because she was there and she was still pregnant and she hadn't given birth yet, and he says, um, you know, we use that phrase expectation. There's an expectation. And uh, it's an expectation for what? Well, for new birth. There's an expectation that there's going to be a moment in which your lives will change. <laughs> it won't be the same. Am I right? Who, who are the mommies? I mean, Sean, you guys have just recently had one. I mean... When you have your first one, I mean, your life changes, doesn't it? The expectation of that day is like, from that day onwards, my life is no longer the way it was before. And, uh, and, and so it's like that with us, you know, spiritually. It's like God's preparing us because there's something that He has for us of more. And come on, let's face it. You who have recently had children, is Martins and Stefania? No, they're not. But I mean, in their case, that's their firstborn. And, you know, it's, I understand your secondborn, you're really starting to prepare how, how this thing works. But in your firstborn, you don't have that expectation. It's like, you know, you can't just sleep in late like you used to. You can't just do what you used to do. It's like now I've got another person in my house that can't feed itself, that can't change its nappies, that can't do anything. You've got to do everything. It's totally dependent on you. And I remember when Lauren was pregnant with Bryden, my first words, which is, I want to say, guys, don't say things in ignorance. Be careful what you say. Because I said to Lauren, look, it's great, you know, I'll be participate with the child, but I'm not changing any nappies. That was the first, that was the words that I actually said to her. And guess what? Lauren fell, she broke her one ankle, sprained the other. And she was in a wheelchair for quite a while over Bryden's, just before giving birth. So in, even in birth, she, she was in a wheelchair. And so guess who changed all the nappies? <laughs> so my life changed drastically on that day because it wasn't any more about me. It was about, now this is us. How do we do this as a family? And uh, it's the same really in the kingdom of God. You know, God's preparing us for an expectation. There's an expectation because he's doing something. He's doing something of new birth. And in that, there's going to be something that requires of us to participate, as we shared this morning, to participate with God. You know, we're not just passive Christians. We can't just sit there like that arrogance, I'm not changing nappies. No, God's saying, like, I'm going to include you to do the work that I have for you. And um, yeah, pregnancy is quite an interesting thing. I mean, for obvious reasons, I don't quite understand everything a woman goes through. I mean, even if I could identify as a woman, 
I'm still not going to know. <laughs> you know, it's just certain realities. I don't know what it's like. But I do have a personal experience through Lauren and what she's conveyed to me about pregnancy over the time. I mean, let's face it, it's quite a long nine months, isn't it? It's quite a, you know, I, I was just looking, but I remember just before, you know, when, when Lauren, when we found out she was pregnant, Lauren bought this pregnancy book and uh, it would tell you every week what was going to happen with the baby and she'd pull out this book every, once a week in the evening before we go to bed and she'd say, okay, this is, where the, this is the stage where the baby's at, this is what's happening, this is what's developing. And so like, oh, that's nice, you know, it's interesting. But now I see the guys even got an app. Martins was just showing me an app, and I think it's, it's got all the features, even got the size of the embryo at that stage. And so it's, I think it's more, you know, where you can actually see more and understand more than when, we were, when she was pregnant. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just amazing uh, just what is happening. And, and there, but there comes a point where, you know, the, the, the development is done. It's complete. You know, where there's no more that needs to be done, where it's just waiting now for the day, you know. And uh, I know it's at that stage when you're in your last trimester and your last week, it's like, yes, this must just come out now. You know, I remember Lauren, it was like, even eating was an issue. You know, she had reflux, sleeping was an issue, going to the toilet, everything was an issue. You know, it was just, you're pregnant and, and it's just uncomfortable. And, and it gets to a stage where this has got to happen now. You know, I've got a head knowledge of every development but now I want to take what's just the head knowledge. I want to experience it now. I want, I want to touch this baby. I want to feel it. I want to experience it. I want to love it. And uh, I, I'm feeling weird at a stage like that as a church. It's like you've got an expectation in God. You know this is what we call to. This is the promises He's given us. And these are the things. And this is the development. And I see God has been working things within us as a church. There's been growth. There's been, you know, you've seen the communities growing. You see... Our worship, God has formed amazingly that we can send our teams to other churches and go and be a blessing. But there, there, it's like, there's that moment where it's okay now, God, it's just comfortable. It's it's, there needs to be more. Uh, we, you know, even like this, you can become complacent. Um, and I feel God, the reason pregnancy gets uncomfortable because there, there needs to be a next stage. And I feel even as a church, I mean, we physically are getting full in the premises here. Am I right? It's big. What's going to happen? Well, there needs to be a new birth. And so I'm expecting, don't be surprised if there's a birthing of a new congregation even here for this, for this year. Be expectant of it because God is doing something. Now, we don't want to just produce for the sake of producing, but we, you know, healthy things grow. You know, we're not about numbers, but when you're healthy, you're going to be fruitful. Okay, you, the, the numbers should follow. You know, it's part of it. But um, we're not chasing numbers. We're not, but it's a reality of growth. It's, it's a reality of health. It, it can be if you do it right. And, but the thing is, for, as I'm feeling in God, as part of that, uh, you, you would know, those who have been in Josh Jane long enough, is know that we're not about mega churches. We're not about growing. We're about... The, the, the importance of the value of what makes church. And we often use the scripture, Acts 2.42, where they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to, to prayer, to fellowship, to meeting in each other's homes, to breaking bread together, but understanding family and, and the value of family. And, uh, but the thing is, as something grows, to be able to manage that gets more difficult. 
And so in Josh Jen, one of, one of the values that we hold dearly is to keep this thing of family, to keep the value that we don't lose and get watered down and just become this big congregation that just goes through the motions of church but actually loses touch with one another and with the Lord. And so we want this thing to be real. You know, that, that's the heart of Josh Jen is to be authentic church. But to be authentic means even as an elder, I've got to know you guys, the sheep. And I've got to admit, it gets too big even now to know every person here is it's getting more and more difficult. And so we see as Josh Jen begins to, you know, when a number gets to a certain size, there's, a, okay, we need to plant out. We need to start another congregation because that eldership needs to know the sheep and needs to care for them and look after them and make sure they and themselves uh, grow in the Lord. Because you can be a number here and you can be sitting in the pew, but you're never growing. And it's important that you grow with us. And so I'm really, I'm just, yeah, I'm just excited even with the word that Trevor brought just of that, you know, the promises of God that we put on a shelf. But God wants to include us in that. He wants you to grow. So He gives you a promise. But the promise isn't just so you can feel good about yourself. The promise is there because there's an expectation that God's going to use you to produce fruit in Him. Okay, I'm going off my notes, but I'm really just trying to hear what the Spirit has been just putting within us, you know. And uh, yeah, so, so yes, community's grown, worship's grown, leadership even structure, you know, even, even communities have grown, and we see God producing leaders and more people, and you know, but there needs to be a birthing. And are we ready for that? And so don't be surprised for this new year. <laughs> And it's, um, yeah, what was good for us yesterday doesn't mean it's going to be good for us today. God, God's in the business of not only growing numbers, but growing us personally. And so the thing that carried me yesterday, the faith that I had for yesterday, cannot be the faith for today. I've got to be hearing the Lord. You know, faith comes by hearing. And it's not just, uh, open my scripture and I hear. No, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. But it also comes by, in that, what is God saying to you personally? So I've got to respond to hearing. If I don't respond to that hearing and do, you know, James refers to that just as it's, it's not really faith. Faith without works is what? Dead. And, uh, and so I, I want to, so just going back to pregnancy, I want to just use this illustration that the Bible gives us about birthing and, and about pregnancy and because I, I feel, you know, as a man, it's very hard to, I don't ask guys to, to convey that. It's just, I don't know, I don't know if you, I, I just find it sometimes more difficult to, to, to kind of understand that. And so I want to use the Bible, <laughs> what God illustrates in that. And um, so I want us to turn to Isaiah 54. And I'm going to read from verse 1 to 3. It says, Sing, O barren, you have been born, have not been born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Now, just to put that in context, uh, where that scripture was being prophesied at that time, um, it, it was actually to Israel. 
And just to put you in a historical context, Israel at that time was in the captivity of Babylon. They were in exile. And uh, they had been there for a, a long time in this exile. And just like in this moment, in this like, I can understand how you think of the time that they've been in exile. A lot of them had these dreams. That, I mean, you think of it. They, they've, they've got this expectation of what God has promised them as a nation. Think of Abraham. What was the promise? I'll make you a father of many nations. And you, you, you're stuck in captivity and you can't even see your own children coming through. You know, my kids have got no hope. There's no future. There's nothing. And that's where they were. And it's like, is there, is there really any hope here for us? And I almost felt the same thing prophetically as, we, you know, as God just shared about the valley of dry bones. It's almost like, can anything come of this? Is there any life that can happen here and now? And Israel must have felt like that when this word came to them. Just think of it. And uh, it must have been like one of those moments, you know, when God says, Israel, sing a barren woman. It's like, you're no longer barren. You're pregnant. The, the two blue lines have come across your way. <laughs> you know, you got the pregnancy test. You're no longer barren. I, don't, I remember when we got that. Lauren, like, are you sure, Lauren? So she goes to the pharmacy, gets the pregnancy. Uh, yeah, there's two lines. But she's still not sure. It's like, okay, we've got to go to the doctor now. Make sure. Make sure that we know, you know. But, and this is what God's saying. He's like bringing their surety. And he's saying to them, sing, O barren. You have not born Break forth into singing and crying aloud. You have not labored with child. It's almost like that moment that you first find out that you're pregnant. And that's what God is saying to Israel. It's here. Life is here. It's coming. It's on the way. You are pregnated with the things that I have with you. And you know, I think it was Chad that shared it, you know, that, that being pregnant comes through intimacy. I know it sounds graphic, but I mean the Bible uses the graphicness. But it comes because we're intimate with the Lord. And he, as we find Him, as we, as we have a relationship with Him, as we have an affection towards Him, as we love Him, as we speak to Him every day, as we converse with Him and say, God, you know, I want to know you more. And as, we, as that intimacy flows within us, God begins to plant dreams within us that He has for us. It's not dreams of ourselves. It's something He says, I want you to have something of me, and I'm going to give you a dream. And like Trevor shared, said, shared, just some of those dreams have been put on a shelf. And I believe that partly the reason is because you've lost intimacy. You've lost intimacy. It's like that hope has become a deferred hope. And the Bible says deferred hope makes the heart sick. And I feel God wants to restore that. He wants to heal. But He wants to bring the hope back to us. So have you lost your dream? Have you lost what God has for you? Now, I'm not a person that's very much into individualism, but there is a unique dream that God gives us, but yet collectively He brings that dream into fruition. I was just talking to someone now. He says, yeah, I had this, I had this, God has told me this, this, but I feel like the opposite is happening. I said, but, you know, isn't it funny? That's how God does it. It's, it's because they, as He gives you a dream, it's almost like that dream needs to die before it comes to life. It's like, it's like God saying, I'm going to give you something. Think of Abraham. Okay, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. But okay, let's think of, let's think of Israel. 48 years they had been in exile in, in Babylon. 48 years. You know how long 48 years? You can easily see them putting their dreams on a, on a shelf. And say, well, 
You know, that covenant, that was Abraham's covenant. Maybe God's just forgotten about his covenant. 48 years. How long is 48 years? Well, this is 48 years. That's a long time. <laughs> That's a long time to wait for a dream to come to fruition, isn't it? 48 years. I can imagine. And this is the thing. When God gives us a prophetic dream, He's also got a process that He takes us through to reach that dream. You see, it's not just about the dream. I can't just receive the dream. Okay, thanks God for the dream. Now I'm going to fulfill that dream that you've given me in myself. You can't do that. You can't, you can't buy, you know, you can't short circuit the process of God. You can't, you can't try and shortcut the dream that He has for you. And, and it's a practical thing. We, think of it. Think of it someone who's pregnant. There's a, there's a process of how long? Nine months. Anything before that is premature. Am I right? And when something's premature, it's like you've got to put it in a, what's that, uh, incubator and make sure there's no harm that can come. You know, it's, it's like that. When, when, God, when, when that dream's ready for fruition, it can handle what God has for you. Anything premature, you can't, you can't bypass the processes of God. You've got to allow it to go through what it has, has to go through. And so the process of God is just as important as the purposes and the dreams of God. And, uh, and he's got a timetable. And it's not your ways and it's not your timetable. But it's almost like in that, that God has to take that thing that was your dream and say, look, I've got to do it. It's not your dream in yourself. It's your dream, but it's, it's something I'm giving you and I'm going to fulfill it. And so we commit ourselves, not only, oh God, I love that, what you got for me, but it's like I commit myself to you who's going to fulfill that. Do you, do you get that? And, and so as we embrace this year, I want to just challenge you guys. Don't just, don't just focus on the dream. Don't just arbor there and say, oh, that's a lovely dream. Say, God, God, what are you doing in order that I reach that dream? What are the processes that you have for me? And don't run from them if they're hard. God understands the means in which we reach those dreams. Think of, think of uh, Joseph. A good illustration would be Joseph. I mean, he was a dreamer of dreams. He was known as that. But you know what? He spent a large portion of his life interpreting other people's dreams. Think of it. He was a man who served the dreams of Pharaoh. He served the dreams of all the other guys before him, you know, the other guys in prison. He served their dreams. And he, I'm sure there were times when he's like, God, what about my dream? <laughs> Where is it, you know? Remember when he, when he told the, who was at the baker, and he said to him, just, just tell the king, just remind him I'm still in prison, and just remind him I'm the one who interpreted this dream for you. And what did the guy do? He forgot. Oh, yeah, that's convenient. I'm still in prison. I'm still. But why? Because Joseph tried to get there faster than what God had to take him through. And God said, no, Joseph, you're going to wait until it's your season. You know, even, uh, even for me, I've, I've had to do that many times, and I still have to do it, where I've had to serve other people's dreams. I've had to come alongside and, and serve other people. I remember there were times that I felt, you know what, I've been serving as an elder for a long time, 20 years. I planted a church. When are you going to come through for me, God? I, I'm working hard. I'm working long hours, sometimes 12 hours. When is that dream going to come to fruition? I mean, John, you guys would remember those times. And there were times like, God, you've got to come through. 
I'm trusting you. And I'm serving other people's dreams. And it's like, God, now should be the time. And God's like, no, wait. It's not 20 years. It's a long time to wait. Not that it's about permanent or full-time, but it's about, like, God, I want to be released to do what you've called me to do with both my hands untied. You know what I mean? To serve you fully. And God said, no, it's not the season. And I've had to serve other men's dreams. And I've had to lay my own dream down. But you know what? I knew that was the processes of God. And you think of Abraham. God gave him a dream. What was his dream? What was his blessing? His son, Isaac. Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. What happened? What did God say to him about the dream? I want you to lay your dream down. Are you willing to sacrifice that dream? That's quite heavy, huh? That God would put that on some father and say, look, this is the promise. Take your son, Abraham. And God even labors on the fact that, take your son. Go read the scripture. He says, take your son and take your only son. And he like really labors the fact that <laughs> you haven't got another child. But go and lay him on the altar and, see, and, and let's sacrifice him. That's pretty harsh as a father to receive that. But God was trying to do something within Abraham. Was he willing to lay down the dream? You see, this promise requires faith as well. It requires that we got faith in God. And Abraham didn't have faith in his own body. He, didn't have, he looked at himself and he looked at his wife and what he, you know, it was like, oh, I'm 100 years old. You know, she's just as old. It's not going to happen, Lord. But you see, it requires faith that we trust God. Unfortunately, Abraham tried to fulfill the dream in his process. Remember God gave him the dream? He says, Abraham, you're going you're to have a son. And he like looks at himself and he looks at his wife. Like, no ways. And he tries to improvise. He tries to make a plan. And his plan is that he takes his wife's servant, maidservant. And what happens? He has a child called Ishmael. And that child becomes a thorn in Israel's side up even to this day. Why? Because Abraham tried to make a plan from the promise that God had given him. And he took it to do his own processes in reaching that dream. And uh, I want to say, be careful. The moment you short-circuit something, you can produce Ishmael's within you. Within you, There could be things that are going to be a thorn in your flesh, a thing that's never going to go away. It's going to be there because of a bad decision you made. So trust the Lord. It takes faith. You've got to trust Him not only for the promise, but the process in which you're going to reach that promise. Do you get it? I, I, I'm laboring it because I feel as we enter this year, we've got promises, but man... The promises we've got to have faith for, but can I say the processes we have to have faithfulness. So it's not only requiring faith in the promise, and Renee shared that. It's the faithfulness in the processes of that promise. So don't short-circuit anything, guys. We've got to trust the Lord because we know we can't produce it in ourselves. Can I say, I've got no faith in Benny that I can do anything in this church. Nothing. Not even stand here and share anything. I know who I am. I've got to have faith that, God, you do it. Even to be an elder, to be just a servant in the house, I know it takes faith. And I want to say there's many guys sitting here, and you're like, I want to say step up and have faith that God has got things for you. But also commit yourself to the process that he's going to reach to, to get there. I love the scripture in Ephesians 2, Tony, if you can just listen to the scripture. I want you to think about it. It says, for, you, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Just keep it up for a moment. 
We don't know this is, you are his workmanship. You are not your workmanship. <laughs> Think of it. You know, everybody wants to say you're, a, you're really a good guy. There's something really good within you that God, God wants to produce that's already there. No, you are God's workmanship. You are not your own workmanship. And then he says this, created how? In Christ Jesus. It's not created in you. <laughs> so it's like you've got to grasp this, church. Because if it's in you, everything that's in you is going to try and do something. And then it says, in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. So it has to be in Christ in order that I produce good works. Do you, do you see? You can't produce good works. There's nothing in you, in the flesh, in the, in the person of the flesh, me, Benny. There's nothing in me that can produce good works. I'm not just talking about salvation. I'm talking about everything from salvation, church. Think of it. Think of the guy that came to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do? Like he's trying to do everything from the outside. And Jesus confronts him head on. He says, who are you calling good? And Jesus was good. But Jesus had to get him to a place where he had to realize, look, man, you can do all the laws under the sun and you're never going to be good because you cannot produce it within yourself. And that's what he's saying here. In Christ Jesus, you are created in Christ Jesus for good works. You are not created in you for good works. You can't produce anything good in yourself. And that's why we have to be a people of the Spirit. Why? Because it's the Spirit that shows us the things of Christ. It's the Spirit as we root ourselves in intimacy. It's the Spirit that produces that kind of good works in God. And so I want to say, yes, it is impossible to do what we do. It is impossible to build church. It is impossible to go and bring the gospel and bring life because it's not you that's doing it. It has to be in Him. But I do want to say, so like I shared that prophetic word, it's like God saying, Ezekiel, you prophesy. Like God saying, okay, I can't do it. But God saying, but I want you to do it. This is the funny thing. This is the oxymoron. This is the, the contradiction that we're wrestling with, isn't it? Like, okay, God, you called me to participate, but yet I can't do anything. And he says, yeah, duh, of course you can't. But now in me, you can. This is the difference. Ezekiel, you speak to the... To the, to the dry bones. I know it's impossible for that thing to come, but you speak to it and see what happens. It's like, it's like God doesn't want to let us off that, that proverbial hook. Huh? It's like, no, because it's going to require faith. I haven't excluded you. Isn't that, think of it. Isn't that just gracious of God to include us, that we participate with Him? Think of it. I mean, it's like you as fathers would know. I mean, I remember many times... As a father, like, like the boys would try and help, and, you know, sometimes they get more in the way of what I'm trying to do, you know, especially when they're four-year-olds and stuff, and you're trying to fix something, and, but they want to help, you know. But it's like, but they want to feel included because they want to be with their dad. They want to spend, and, you know, I know as a, I was kind of a bad example as a father in there because I'd kind of get frustrated and say, okay, boy, I've got it, yeah, that's fine, because I want the thing done like today, you know, and... Uh, There'll be those moments. But, but you know, the thing with the Lord is, is He includes us to do it because He knows in that we know we're part of it. We're part of the process. We're part of the plan. Yes, He did it. Actually, it was Daddy that did it. But, but He included me. And He's gifted me with participation. And I'm His son. And yes, I'm part of the work that He's doing. But I love what we are called to do. And it says here, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. 
Do not spare, lengthen your cords. Stretch out your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left. Just think of that picture. I mean, think of pregnancy. <laughs> expand to the right and to the left. I know there's a moment where Lawrence says, I can't expand any further. You know, it's just like, this is it. I've got to give birth. And, uh, but enlarge the place of your tent. And I want to, I want to encourage you, as I believe some of us haven't been stretched yet. And I feel God's calling you today to be stretched. Allow Him to enlarge your territory. Gunther, Jacques, Theo, Stephen, Noah, you're going to be going to TMT. It's going to be a place where God's going to try and enlarge your territory. What does that mean? Well, you know. I don't know your situation. Every, every person's in a different space. But what does it mean to enlarge your territory, to strengthen your stakes? What is God calling you to? The stretching is hard. Can I tell you, if we plant another congregation, it's going to be difficult. Again, I've got to step up to the plate in, in so many ways that, I, that I've kind of taken, you know, that's a nice thing about a team of elders. You kind of depend on each other, but you depend on each other's strengths. When you step out, you kind of got to go, okay, I've got to go back to, to the things I'm not good at and do them because the other elder's not there anymore. And it's the same with every area of ministry. Like, you can be comfortable here. There's someone else who can give a prophetic word. Even though I feel God's beckoning me to, I'm going to let John do it or Renee because they always step up to the plate. But actually, what's God telling me to? Or, or just helping someone or making coffee or... Doing serving gifts. You know, sometimes we talk about spiritual gifts. What about the, the simple serving gifts? It's going to be requiring stretching, isn't it? Oh, I've got to pack up the chairs like every week now, not just once every four weeks. Oh, but man, come on. It's about the kingdom. You know, it's about what's the eternal rewards, not just, you know, what does it benefit me now? So when God says enlarge the place of your tent, what does that mean? Monet. What does it mean for you? Vachis, what does it mean for you? Sean, enlarge your dwelling. What has God got for you? I think sometimes, I'm, I'm going to close, I'm getting there, but I, I feel sometimes in, the, in this corporate environment, we become comfortable. You know, think of it, I work, I come back, I've got church on Sunday, I've got community on Wednesday, I kind of get into a routine of things. And in that, it becomes comfortable, becomes manageable. But you see, the problem with that is we lose faith because we lose the dream, because you're just functioning, you're just going through the motions. And I was just reading Genesis 15, verse 5, and it, it struck me, because remember, Abraham got the dream, but notice how God actually gives him the dream. Did I give you that one, Tony? He says there, then he brought him outside and said to him, now just hang on, I just want to take a moment. He calls Abraham. Abraham's in his tent. Think of us. We're comfortable in our tents, in where we are, in our, our place of dwelling. We're comfortable. We're going through the motions. We're doing everything. But God's saying, look, Abraham, I want you to show you something. But in order to do that, I want you to come out of your tent because you've got a roof over your head. You're in your dwelling. You're comfortable. Come out because I want to show you something. And then he says, look now towards the heavens and count the stars. That, you, that you're not even able to number. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And I feel even for some of us, we've been comfortable. We've been in our tent. 
We've been going through the motions. We're doing everything. But I feel like the Lord's saying, now is the moment to get out of your tent because I want to show you the stars. I want you to show you the stars. I've got things. I've got many things for you. I really, as I look at some of you guys sitting here are heavyweights in the spirit. And I really, I'm not just saying that. I really feel some of you sitting here are heavyweights in the spirit. But I feel like you're sitting and you're comfortable in your tent and God's saying, you need to get out. And you need to start dreaming. And you need to start seeing the promises that I have for you. But you're too comfortable. Get out and start counting the stars. I almost feel like that, uh, what's that song of One Republic? I've been praying hard. <laughs> no more counting dollars. Start counting stars. You know, that's the thing. We're counting dollars. We're counting our, our bank accounts. We're counting, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. We're counting everything that's temporal, church. It's a moment. We're just here for a moment. You're counting the wrong things. God needs to take you out and say, start counting the stars. There's the lost out there. And I know, like, Sean and them have been doing it even in the workplace. And I, I love that. Don't stop, Sean. Carry on. Start, carry on counting the stars in that workplace. Because God's got many guys that have come through, through that. But be faithful in that. And I want to invite just the rest of the church. Look at your corporate environment. Look at your work environment, your business. Start counting stars in the workplace. At the school, varsity, wherever you are, start counting what God has for you because he's got many people that need salvation. He said the harvest is ripe, but the laborers, that's you and I, are few. Never mind are we few, but are we doing even the work that we're called to do? I want to close in this, Psalm 2, verses 7. <clears throat> It says, I will declare the degree, decree that the Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And did I give you the rest of that, Sandy? No, sorry, verse 8, and it says, ask of me, and I will give the nations as an inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Think of that. Now, I know this fulfillment is something that is through Christ, but again, like I said, it's in Christ that we reach that. It's not in you. But that prophecy is fulfilled in Jesus. But it's fulfilled in Jesus as he is in us that we fulfill this prophecy. But think of it. You know, often we hear that saying, you know, um, you promise the world. Have you ever heard of that? This guy promises the world. What is that saying referring to? Well, it's referring to someone who promised something, but he never delivers. <laughs> God is promising, and he says it's a decree. And God does deliver, and He's promised the world. Think of that. He's promised the world. Why are we holding back? Why are we seeing the lost going to eternal hell, and we're holding back? Almost like God says, I'm promising you the world. Take it. The laborers are few, but the harvest is ripe. Are you guys ready for this year? Are you ready to take it? Are you ready to count stars? Have you lost sight? Have you, are you going to get out of your tents to begin to see what God has for you? Because there's an inheritance for us, church. And it's not about Josh Jen. It's not about us filling this building. I could care less if there were three rows here. But it's about the people that we bring to Jesus that counts. Really, I'm saying it with honesty. Really, that's what it's about. 
And if we plant out another congregation to bring more people and another congregation, and so be it. But let's start bringing in the lost. Let's start reaching George. And not only George, because I don't believe it's just here. There's promises to the nations. Are you guys ready for the nations? I am. I mean, that's part of the commission that Jesus gave to his disciples. To go out to Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. Let's not limit salvation. Let's not limit who God is. Let's not limit the gospel. Amen. So just in closing, I want to maybe just close our eyes for a moment. Because I don't know everybody here. Maybe there's someone here who's never met Jesus as his personal Savior.